James 5.13, and we're going to start there tonight just like we did last week. Now, when you go to teach on prayer, hallelujah, the problem's not uh, that there's not much to teach. The problem is that there's way more to teach than you can even uh, get your mind around. So really, I'm just going to follow the Holy Spirit because we could go several ways. I do have notes. Uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> Let's look at James 5.13. It says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit brethren and if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall have save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins i thought we'd just read it all it all goes together don't it Hallelujah. Okay, we're going to talk about prayer tonight. Last week we talked about Elijah and we talked about praying, um, praying uh, God's plan or doing the works of God. And a lot of times people think, well, prayer's just talking to God, but prayer's not just talking to God. And neither, and prayer's not supposed to be a monologue either. Hallelujah. It's supposed to be a dialogue. God's supposed to talk back. Hallelujah. And we need to give him time and space to answer us back. I, you know, uh, one time when I was real young in the Lord, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Debbie, I'll answer all your questions, but I won't ask any of them for you. And you know, if you're not, if you don't ask him what you need to know, you're not going to find out. And so you need to ask him what you don't understand and what you need to know. And he'll find a way to get it to you. It may be on a CD. He'll order your steps and you'll pick up just the CD that answers that question. And you may have owned it 10 years and never have listened to it. Have you ever done that? A book or a CD? And boy, that was just the answer. I even had him speak to me once time off of a movie. That movie, You've Got Mail. I mean, God spoke to me off of that movie. I'm like, I am not believing this. One time he spoke to us when we were moving to Alabama. We looked over in the flower bed and, and the, the, the top of the thing said Birmingham Ironworks, Birmingham, Alabama. And that was God speaking to us. So he'll find a way to get your the information you need. Hallelujah. Praise God. But most often, of course, he speaks to us with the inward witness or the still small voice. And we're not going to go into that tonight. But let's look at... Um, Hallelujah. Two things let's look at tonight. He says in verse 17, uh, he prayed, or, no, let's see, no, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effectual and fervent. Effectual and fervent. Effectual, we could just say the word effective. Effective prayer. And if he says we have to have effective prayer, that means a lot of prayer could be ineffective. A lot of people pray ineffective prayers because uh, they've never taken time to learn about prayer. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. There's plenty of good teaching out there on prayer. So you shouldn't be guilty in this church of praying ineffective 
prayers. You should know the things about prayer. And then there's fervent prayer. And it's like, that's not necessarily loud, but it's not necessarily quiet either. I believe there's a time to pray quietly and there's a time that you need to pray loudly. I, and, and we might talk about that later, but not tonight. I'm going to read a couple. Somebody in the church gave me this for Christmas, and it's been a real blessing. If you ever find this little book, buy it. It's called One Minute Devotions, The Power of Prayer, E.M. Bounds. Hallelujah. Very good. Very good. Let's, I just want to read two or three things in here. Wholeness through prayer. Prayer has to do with the whole being of a person. When a person prays, he does so with his whole nature. When he receives benefits in prayer, it involves his whole being. The largest results of praying come to him who gives himself, all of himself, all that belongs to himself, to God. This is a secret of full consecration and the sort of praying that produces the largest fruit. Hallelujah. Not just your head praying. And I believe that would accurately describe what fervent praying is. It's not, uh, it's not uh, uh, just revving up your tongues a little bit. You know, you could just rev it up. Did you ever sound, hear somebody sound like a machine gun going off? Hallelujah. Well, I'm probably guilty of that myself. So don't say, yeah, you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's, and then on another day he wrote, the whole being, the praying mind, the whole being of a person must engage in prayer. A person's life, his heart, his temper and mind should be in it. Every fiber of a person should join in the prayer exercise. A person's intellect must also add energy when praying. Necessarily, the mind plays a role in prayer. First of all, one thinks about praying. The intellect teaches us that we ought to pray. The serious thinking beforehand, the mind prepares itself for approaching the throne of grace. Thought proceeds entering into prayer and prepares the way. It considers what will be asked in prayer. In other words, you can't do it without your mind. Hallelujah. Now, praying in tongues, we know, is, comes from our spirit. And you, sometimes you have to turn off your mind in order to pray in tongues. But he's talking about when you start to pray, you know, you are gonna have to, you're going to have to, your mind's going to have to help you. You know, in fact, if, if your spirit wants to tell, wants you to pray something in English, it's going to have to tell your mind first, isn't it? Hallelujah. And then here's another thing you talked about. It. it is godly people who give themselves entirely over to prayer. Prayer is far reaching in its influence and it is gracious and, and its gracious effects. It is an intense and profound business that deals with God and His plans and purposes, and it takes wholehearted people to do it. No half-hearted, half-spirited effort will do for this all-important heavenly business. The whole person must be engaged in the matter of praying, which so mightily affects the characters and destinies of those who pray. And we talked about that last week, about that doing God's business and that we have to come to a place of maturity where, we're, we, where, we, where our prayer is not, Lord, I want this and I need this and, and Lord, please straighten that out and Lord, bless me. And that's immature praying. Hallelujah. But we grow up in Christ. God puts us to doing the business of God in prayer, praying for our nation, praying for our city and our county, praying for other people. Hallelujah. And not just my four, bless Lord, bless my four, no more. You know, but praying for other people. Being even uh, available to God uh, to show you a face that you don't even know. A name you've never heard of. 
Hallelujah. And we are all growing into that. But we, as we get more sensitive to the Spirit and as we mature and as He can trust us, He will, you know, He's not going to show us a name to pray for if He knows we're not going to pray for Him. And so, uh, uh, praise God, we're getting more mature in that, aren't we? So prayer is not just talking to God. Prayer is not just a monologue. But prayer is joining forces with God to carry out His will in the, in the earth. Hallelujah. Joining forces with God to carry out His will in the earth. He has a will. He knows what He wants done. But somebody's got to speak it out. Some, God can't do anything unless somebody speaks it out. God won't do anything unless somebody asks Him. Well, why is that? Because it makes it legal for Him to do it. When we ask, because see, the Bible says that in Corinthians that Satan is the God of this world system. Satan, whether we like it or not, has a right to operate here. Adam sold out, gave, and, and now some people say it this way, that, that Satan has the earth lease. But it's about up. His earth lease is about up. And so Satan has a right to operate here unless somebody stands up and takes their authority and stops him. And we have been given that authority. But unless we do it, he'll run roughshod over us. He'll stomp all over us and our families. He'll, he'll tear up everything. And it's our responsibility to stop him, to stop him in our own lives. We stop, we have to stop him at the thought level first. He is wanting and he tries all the time to plant thoughts in our minds. And we have to, by the word, know and discern those thoughts and say no. Thoughts of unforgiveness, thoughts of anger, thoughts of bitterness, they come all the time to all of us, every day. If you can't go in Walmart without one of those thoughts coming to you, because the, cause the system, the system is a demonic system. And so the way the system's set up is just naturally going to interfere in your life if you're a Christian. And so uh, we have to take that authority. We have to take the authority over our children and say how it'll be and what it won't be. And we take the authority over our households and declare what'll be and what'll won't, what it won't be. And you know, you can't have it both ways. The Bible says you can't drink the cup of uh, the Holy Spirit and the cup of devils too. And sometimes we got the devil on TV. And I'm not talking about all TV, but I mean, you know, there's some devil stuff on there. And then we're trying to cast him out another door. And he's coming in one door. We got one door open and we're trying to cast him out the other door. You know, we got fornication on TV and we're saying, Oh God, keep my teenager. And Lord, just don't let them get involved with that boy or whatever. And like, he's coming in one end and, it, you know, it's so we got to do something. We got to first, we got to stop up the holes or it's not going to do any good to pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we are the guardian of our houses. And we, boy, we ought to be watching in the Spirit. Hallelujah. And watching, you know, kind of, sometimes I'll look and, and, in the, and, and I'll just kind of see this bloodline around my house. And you better watch all the time. See what's trying to come in. Boy, if you, you know, and we're just not near quick enough and not near uh, spontaneous. Um, sensitive enough and say, man, something's coming in. That's not right. I'm not letting that in my house. You know, Satan will come in on a magazine if you'll let him. Hallelujah. So we got to guard things, don't we? Praise the Lord. So because we are those guardians, we are the ones with the authority in our lives. <clears throat> Genesis 1:26. God gave man dominion, rule and authority and jurisdiction. 
Hallelujah. First Corinthians, it was Second Corinthians 4, 4, where calls Satan the God of this world system. <clears throat> John 12, let's turn there. Talking about prayer tonight. Hallelujah. And we have the power of the blood. We should be using the blood and pleading the blood. Hallelujah. And we should also be using the name of Jesus. And we also need to ask God, you know, when something goes wrong in our bodies, I think we need to ask God first thing, Lord, why did this go wrong? Why did this go wrong? I asked the Lord the other day, I said, Lord, why am I doing this? And before I could get it out of my mouth, he answers that fast most of the time. Most time you don't have to wait and wonder and I know, you know, and I says, Lord, why am I doing this? He said, disappointment. Just, just that quick, disappointment. I said, yeah, you're right. I've been disappointed about that. And it was an open door. Disappointment, disappointment is sin. The Bible says not to grow weary and well-doing and not, you know, and disappointment leads to finally you, you quit. It leads to quitting. Because you're just flat old disappointed. And that's what, and he'll answer us about those things. We need to ask him. Hallelujah. John 12, verse 31 says, um, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And this he said, signifying what death he would die. Jesus broke Satan's power over all men after the resurrection. Hallelujah. He broke that power over all men. Now we have to enforce it. Hallelujah. But Matthew 28, 20, 28, 18, this is interesting and I'm just pointing this out because the power was not really broken until after the resurrection, but he spoke it and prophesied it in Matthew 28, 18. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. But he did not really have that power until after the resurrection. Not all power. Not all power until after the resurrection. In 28, 19, I got to get over there. I'm still kind of looking for it. Matthew 28, 19, he said, Go ye therefore into all the, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. Now see in verse 18, he said, All power is given unto me. And then he told us what he was going to do with that power when it was going to, when it was given unto him and what he was going to do with it was delegate it to us. And here's the, go ye all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And the key, the key to your authority and what's been delegated to you is the name of Jesus. That's the key. The key is the name of Jesus. The key to delegated power and, and authority is the name of Jesus. Then over in Matthew 18, 18, he said something too. He told us what to do with the delegated power and the delegated authority. He said, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, in the Amplified Bible it says, Whatever you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. So if you allow the devil to run over you, God will allow it. Hallelujah. And whatever you disallow on earth will be disallowed in heaven. Hallelujah. That delegated authority, he told us what to do with it. And we got to get busy. We got to get busy and not, and quit allowing things. Praise God. Praise God. And take a stand. Let's go to, uh, 1 John 5. 
Now, these things have to do with prayer because especially the kind of prayer we're talking about, which is doing the business with God or doing the business of God in the earth. Because you got to know that you have authority or you're going to be praying from the standpoint of begging God to do things. And we don't need to beg God for anything. There is nothing that you ever need to beg God for, but religion is full of begging God. I have read books where it literally said those words, where it said, now we need to beg God for this. And there is nothing. You don't have to beg God for salvation. You don't have to beg God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to beg God for healing. It's yours. It belongs to us. We don't have to beg Him. We don't have to beg Him for wisdom. Hallelujah. He said He'd give it liberally and upbraideth not. We don't have to beg Him for protection. He said He'd give His angels charge over us. There is nothing you ever have to plead or beg God for. And if you're praying, that is, that's praying wrong. And if you're paying, begging prayer, oh, please, God. If you're even begging God to save your family member, you don't have to beg God to save your family member. You start, you know what you do? You start directing traffic with your prayers. You start directing those laborers across their path. You start causing the angels to lead them in the right paths and in the right directions. You bind that foul spirit of uh, that spirit of blindness and deception that is keeping them from seeing the truth of the gospel. You know, pleading the blood over their minds, their wills and emotions. Hallelujah. But you don't have to beg God to save them. He already said that He's not willing that any should perish. Amen? So we're on the same place. So go over to 1 John now, uh, chapter 5, verse 14. It says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know. Say, we know. We know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. So all we have to know is God's will and then pray it and we know He answers. He will never say no to His will. He will never say no to His will. And so we got to find out the will though. Hallelujah. And we find that out from the Word of God. Everything is in the Word. I used to say, well, you know, there's some things that aren't in the Word. But I'm not going to say that anymore because the answer to everything is in the Word of God. You do not have a question that the answer is not in the Word of God. Now, it may not be, if you say, is, do I buy the red car or the blue car? It, that may not be in there, but the principles are in the Word. And it always is more than just red or blue. There's always more factors than that. Hallelujah. Because God knows what you don't know. About cars, I mean. Hallelujah. And so we pray according to His will. So the main thing we need to do first before we pray is find out His will. And some things we don't even have to hunt for. Somebody says, well, will you pray for me to be healed? We don't have to find out what His will is. We know His will. It's His will for them to be healed. And if they're not healed, it's our job to find out what their unresolved issue. God does never withhold. He never withholds. And if people don't get healed, there's an unresolved issue in their heart and we need to find out what it is. But, you, but we're lazy. And I'm talking to myself too. I'm preaching to myself. And we like, we want to, boy, we want to lay hands on, pray the prayer of faith and walk out the door. And we don't want to take the time to find out what is it you're believing wrong or what is it that's in your heart that's keeping you from being healed. You know, I was listening to this guy today and 
and I forget, I think this person had like that environmental illness and that multiple, multiple, uh, no, that thing where you're allergic to everything in the world. Mul uh, you know, huh? It's called MCI or something. I don't know. But anyway, multiple chemical sensitivity, MCS, multiple chemical sensitivity, environmental something or another. I know, you, uh, that's what it's called. And so he's going, he's traveling in an airplane because he's called to minister people. And he's traveling this airplane and he doesn't, he's never really dealt with this before. And so he's like, okay, God, I need some answers how I'm going to get this person healed. And so he's looking through his Bible. He's just moseying through the Bible on the airplane. And he, got, he told this person, I'm going to give you 10 days. How much of, I mean, how, I wonder if we would give somebody 10 days to get them healed. Hallelujah. I know. I know. I'm preaching to myself. And so uh, uh, so he said, I'll give you 10 days. And he went, but he didn't have a clue how to minister to him. I mean, he knew to lay hands. He knew to pray the prayer of faith. I'm not saying he didn't know any of that, but he needed. He knew he needed to know something's here. Something's here. The curse causeless does not come. If, there's the, if the curse is there, there's a cause. And I'm preaching to myself. Okay, so... He, he prayed, and the Lord led him to Proverbs, that scripture that says, uh, uh, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, a broken spirit drieth the bones. And he's like, okay, I'm not catching what you mean. And so the Lord, he just kept sitting there and meditating. And he was actually, had been a pre-med student one time, so he kind of knew some things. And he said, okay, uh, these, uh, and he knew that allergies and all those things are caused from a, um, a compromised immune system. And so, you know, and so he, he's talking about, okay, what is, where is this? And he knew enough to know, okay, this is located, this has to do with the blood, which has to do with the bones, which has to do with the marrow. Because the bone, okay, the blood, I'm, this is complicated, but anyway, you're going to get it. Anyway, so, oh, so he said, oh, okay, I see it. A, a, um, a broken spirit drieth the bones. So when he got there, they, he, he, the first thing they said, okay, this is what's wrong with me and everything. And he said, okay, tell me who broke your heart. And he said, oh, my, opened a keg of worms. And they got all of that out. And guess what? They didn't have environmental illness anymore. They didn't have, it just, it left without even praying because they got rid of what was in their heart. Hallelujah. Broken heart. See, it's a lot of times what's in pe what's keeping people from being healed, healed is either they're not believing right. Like if you're believing that God gave you that sickness to teach you something, that's blocking healing. Amen. But also sometimes it's what's in us. Unforgiveness, resentment. And see, sometimes even like when the Lord showed me disappointment, I mean, like I'm shocked because I, I'm not thinking I'm disappointed. But we need to ask the Holy Spirit sometime and say, Lord... What is right? What's in my heart that I don't even know? If you ask him, you'd be shocked. I'm saying this because I've been two weeks in the biggest purging you've ever seen in your life. And if you'd asked me two weeks ago, if I had any of that, the things that God showed me in the last two weeks, I'd have been saying, no. And boy, I tell you what, the Holy Ghost, though, he knows and he'll shine his light. Okay, so that's part of our job because, and, it, and even when we go to pray the will of God. So we find out his will. Matthew 6, 8. I gave you all something to think about, didn't I? <laughs> that didn't sound like a happy hallelujah. <laughs> it was kind of like more like a groan. <laughs> hallelujah. 
Matthew 6, 8. It says, uh, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask. So he knows what we need before we ask. And so you might say from that scripture, well, you know, I don't have to ask then, but you were supposed to ask. And that's my next point, that even though it says he knows what you need before you ask, and he really knows what you need. He knows what's in your heart. You say, oh, God, I need my head healed. I've got headaches. But he knows what you really need. He knows what's causing those headaches. The stress or that you're not dealing with. Or the anxiety. Hallelujah. Or the fear. And I'm not sure that that's the root, but I, that's, that sounds reasonable to me. But anyway, John 16, 24. Boy, if this was just low, wouldn't that be nice? John 16, 24 says, uh, and he cried and said, Father, uh, that's not it. You know how when you write down the wrong scriptures. I'm in Luke. That's what's wrong. Okay, John 16, 24. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. He said, now in the past you didn't ask in my name. But he said, now you need to ask in my name. That's important. That's an important part of prayer. You'd be surprised the people that don't even know that. You'd be surprised the people say, for his name's sake. But it's not for his name's sake, it's in Jesus' name. I have a problem with people that have a problem saying the word, the name Jesus. I have a problem with people that talk about Christ all the time and won't say Jesus. I just want to get them around the throat and say, say it. Say the name of Jesus. <laughs> say it. Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> Okay, so he said to ask in his name. And he said that your joy may be full. I like that part a lot. Ask. So even though he says he knows what we need, he wants us to ask. So if he knows what we need, why does he want us to ask? Well, I can tell you why he wants us to ask. This is simple. The reason he wants us to ask is because it gives him a legal right to move in the earth. He knows everything, but he needs a way in. Because Satan is the God of this world system. He needs a way into your life. That's why he can't just save everybody. Because he wants to. He, they have to give him a way in. By praying a prayer. Acknowledging Jesus. Amen. they got to give him a way. And you've got to give him a way into every situation. You can, you, and you don't have authority. You know, you may not can give him away into uh, to every place because of authority and so forth. In other words, uh, you can say, uh, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. I won't go there. But anyway, you, but you can give him away into your life and those that are under your authority and even the things God has, uh, you know, God has placed us in this county. And so we have a certain amount of authority in this county just because we live here. Is that correct? We're citizens of the United States of America. We have authority because we live here. Amen? And we can give him a way in, in a, in a lot of places. Um, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So we can give him a way in even to other nations. James 4, 2, let's go over there. Talking about prayer. And you know, I know that this is not new stuff to y'all, but I have found in my own life that I need to constantly be refreshed where prayer is concerned. That I get sluggish in my praying if somebody doesn't encourage me to pray. 
I tell you what, you need prayer friends. You need to be at a, you need to, uh, you need to be around people that pray because it's real easy to quit praying. It's very easy. You know, prayer is a hard thing. The Lord showed me why prayer is so hard because there's three things fighting you where prayer is concerned. Your flesh is fighting you. You know what? The devil fights you directly to keep you from praying. My gosh, he knows the authority of the believer. He is so afraid of a believer that knows who the, their authority in Christ. And so he fights you tooth and toenail to keep you from praying. And the world fights you too. So you got three people fighting, three things fighting you. The world, the flesh, and the devil. You have been in authority over all of those. Hallelujah. But that's why we need each other. We need to be encouraged in prayer. And no, but no, it encourages me to listen to somebody teach on prayer on a CD. That's why I buy them all. Hallelujah. I read books on prayer because it encourages me to pray. Hallelujah. We need to teach on prayer in the church because it encourages us to pray. We need to pray with each other like we just did a while ago because that revved me up to pray. And besides, in corporate prayer, you can get places in corporate prayer that you cannot get by yourself. Because two is better than one. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put ten thousand to flight. And God has made the body to work and for, work together. He said that He would knit us together, and every joint would supply. And so, even if you may are just the, I know there's people that are helper prayers. Maybe they don't speak out a lot of things on their own, but they're always in there. And I know, uh, I'm not, I'll brag on her a little bit, but Rita Beck is a very wonderful, she's a helper prayer. She's been helping me ever since we moved to this side of town and in this church, helping me pray. She's wonderful at helping, helping, helping you get over there, pushing you up in prayer to a higher place than you can get on your own. Uh, okay, so uh, James 4.2. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and obtain, not cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. He said, okay, one reason, you know, we've just talked about you've got to ask. And he tells us here, you don't have just because you're not asking. Hallelujah. You don't have wisdom if, if you don't ask for wisdom. You know, the Holy Ghost is such a gentleman. He wants to be invited in. He wants to be welcomed in. I tell the whole Lord all the time I say this. I say, Lord, I not only need you in my life, I want you. And I invite you in. And I ask you to correct me where I'm wrong. I ask you to show me things I don't even know and don't want to see. But I do want to see them. But I, it's not pleasant to see is what I mean. And uh, just you got to invite him in. Amen. And so if we don't ask, we won't have. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Another reason is, in goes you go on down to four three, and it says, uh, "Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss." So asking amiss is another reason why you might not receive the prayers that you've prayed. We talked about that a little bit. I tell you what, I tell you what, asking amiss is. It's not, you know, some people say, "Well, you asked for that car, and God didn't want you to have it." That's asking amiss. That's not really asking amiss. Asking amiss is when you do things like, "If it be Thy will." That's asking wrong. That's actually what the Weymouth translation says is because you ask wrongly. You ask in a wrong way. Yeah. Or I had that wrote down next. You, pray, you say, dear, I'll tell you what asking amiss is. Dear Jesus. Now I know I'm trying. You know, I know to religion that sounds like, because oh, that isn't that. That is so sweet when somebody says dear Jesus. It's sweet, but it's wrong. 
Because the Lord told us to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And I know he'll let you get by that when you're a three-day-old Christian or a year-old Christian maybe. But pretty soon he's going to think you ought to have read the Word and realize that you're to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. Uh, asking amiss is, Lord, just we just pray for all those with whom it's our duty to pray. That's going to do nothing. Anybody ever hear anybody pray that prayer? Only pastor. That was a First Baptist Church Seagraves prayer. It was. Another asking amiss is asking God to make people do things. God doesn't make. I know we've all prayed that. Oh God, and you know I've prayed it. Lord, just make Colin come see me. I told Michael the other day I'm gonna call him up and say, Colin, is this Colin Billings? And he's going to say, yes. I'm going to say, this is Debbie Billings, and I've been searching for you. I am your birth mother. <laughs> it's just been three weeks since I saw him. <laughs> he, he did call his daddy to come over because their sub pump was broke. Come over and look at our poop, you know. Y'all don't know what a sub pump is. If you live in a hole, you have to pump your stuff uphill to get it to the sewer. Anyway, I'm just teasing, kind of. Anyway, anyway, God's not going to break their will. He's just busy. It's not, there's nothing wrong or anything. He's just busy. So, uh, okay, so that's praying amiss, asking God to break somebody's will. I mean, you know, if you want to see your son get up, go see him. Or sometimes when we just don't know enough to know God's will. And sometimes when we just don't take the time to find out what God's will is. And we're trying to take a, yeah, or take a, one of those uh, big logs and pound the door down and can't figure out why the door won't open. And we never even ask God if going that way was His will. You know, and sometimes we don't even want to know God's will. Did you ever ask, did you ever go look at new cars and smell that smell? <laughs> and then say, God, is it your will for me to have this car? You don't even want to hear the answer. You only want one answer, and that's yes. I know because I've smelt that smell, and I didn't want to hear the will of God. I, I, didn't, I didn't. That's why you pray before you go. Hallelujah. And if he says, don't go, don't go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. <clears throat> so answered prayer comes from knowing God's Word. Because knowing God's Word will make you know His will. Amen? It comes from knowing God's Word. Answered prayer comes from knowing God's Word, knowing God's will, and knowing your covenant. Knowing your covenant. Amen? And God would never say no to a car for you unless there was an overwhelming reason. He's not into denying his kids' stuff. But sometimes there is a reason. And sometimes it's not the best timing for you. And God will let you have your way. Hallelujah. And you can say, oh, look at this car God gave me. <laughs> you can say, oh, God gave it to me. But, you know, sometimes we don't really know if he did or not. And then, when, something, when it's tough, when the going gets tough, you're like, oh, God. I know because I did it one time. Oh, God, I wish we didn't have this car. If we'd have just kept that little paid-for car. Hallelujah. 
Have you ever done that? Hallelujah. Even though it was ugly, ugly, ugly. Hallelujah. It was the ugliest car that God ever had made on this earth. It's like, have you ever said, talked about, think, thought about that? And it's like, what was Chrysler thinking? Somebody with a demon designed that car. It's so ugly. And the colors. Oh, it's like, who would drive that car? And then you see somebody driving it. You go, can't believe you. Who would buy that car? Yeah. Hallelujah. There's all kinds, though, isn't there? Okay. <clears throat> that was all extra. Um, how, so I want to talk about, for just a few minutes, how to start. How to start. How do you start praying? I know that... You know, most of you have started. I like what Andrew Womack says. He said, I hadn't arrived, but I've left. Hallelujah. We've left, hadn't we? Yeah. And we've started praying. But uh, sometimes we even, like, need a fresh start. And sometimes we kind of, our battery's gotten down and dull, and we need a jump start. And it's just like, boy, I need something fresh in my prayer life. If you don't keep your prayer life fresh, you'll quit. You've got to always be tricking it up. That means kind of changing the way you do it. And I also believe this very strongly. I believe strongly in daily prayer. And I know you can't do everything every day, but you ought to do something every day in prayer. I believe the Bible backs me up. Let's go over to Psalm chapter 5. You know, some days I have a, a long extended prayer time. I get over there. I, it's like I'm over there so far I can't even get out in prayer. And sometimes it's like, my motor's sputtering or something. It just, you know, and I'm just having... And, and so what we really need is we don't need a plan for the days when everything's flowing no, so much as when we need a plan for the days when nothing's flowing very well. And, you know, something that we can just, okay, I can lean back on this and this, I can do this today. Hallelujah. And so let's look at Psalm 5 first, and then we'll talk about that. Verse 1, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shall thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. I believe that God wants to hear our voice in the morning. We may not get to, we may not, maybe it's that morning where you don't get to say much, but he should hear our voice in the morning. I really believe that. And to you, Lord, in the morning, I'll direct my prayer. And then Psalm 55, 17. And besides, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. That's not right. 55. That's right. I was just on the wrong page. 17. Hallelujah. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. I don't think we're going to, I'm not trying to get us under the law here. Evening, morning and after, and noon will I pray. But he's, but he wants to hear from us. This is for sure what this, on a daily basis, he needs to hear from us. I thought it was interesting, and I don't know what this means, that he said evening first. I would, if I was God, I would have said, I want to hear from you in the morning, at noon, and in the evening. But he said evening, morning, and at noon. Hallelujah. And so I thought that was interesting. For you evening prayers, now I, boy, I tell you, if, I, if you depended on, you, the, my world would collapse if I had to do it in the evening. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now I can pray corporately in the evening. Because I got your help. But I don't do as well by myself in the evening. Hallelujah. I do good in the morning. 
That's my time to pray is in the morning. Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about way early in the morning either. I'm talking, I start, I, I thrive about seven o'clock. Before that, I have got up and prayed before that. But if God gets me up at 4.30 to pray, I want to pray an hour and go back to bed and sleep some more. I can tell you. I'm, but, and I'm willing to get up and pray, but Lord, let me go back to sleep, please. And uh, <laughs> hallelujah. That doesn't always work so good. But I tell you, when you get your kids grown, a lot of things work a lot better than they used to. I mean, kids are a blessing, but you know, you'll just be surprised. what You, you can do anything you want to. Hallelujah. Any time of the day or night. Sometimes I look at Pastor at 11 o'clock and I say, let's go to Barnes and Noble or whenever. Maybe I think they close at 11. Anyway, and he goes, are you kidding? We're too old for that. <laughs> but it's just like, well, we can't go to the Black Orchid, so let's go to, the, let's go to Barnes and Noble. <laughs> Hallelujah. Y'all don't, don't know what the Black Orchid Tell me you don't know what the Black Orchid is. Hallelujah. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, you know, uh, praying, you know, the Bible says to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and He'll exalt us in due season. I believe praying daily is humbling yourself. I believe that's one of the best things to humble yourself is to pray daily. Not taking the time to pray, pray in all, is leaning on your own understanding. You know, in Proverbs 3, it says, uh, in all thy ways, it, let's see, what does it say? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to your own understanding. And when you don't take time to pray and you just go out there and just bust through on your own, you didn't even ask him what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to go, where you're supposed to work, where you're supposed to do this, and you just plan ahead. That's leaning on your own understanding. And one thing I've learned, and I know you have, is that doesn't work very well. It don't work very well at the Billings house, and I know it doesn't work very well at your house. Another thing about prayer is consistency is important. It's like that, that daily thing. It's very important to be consistent in prayer, but you don't have to do everything every day in prayer. You can be led by the Spirit. That is what we're supposed to be, is led by the Spirit. Amen? 1 Chronicles 23, 30 says, And I will stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord, and likewise at even. So that's another thing is making sure we give thanks every day. Hallelujah. That's one thing we do in prayer. Praise God. Matthew, uh, I will just start a little bit on this. I don't know. Let me see if I even want to do that. Let me look at my notes here. Can I have a break? I'm just going to skip that, what I was going to say, and I'm going to just give you some prayer scriptures to pray. And you probably know this, but I'll remind you that these are things that we can always fall back on, that will always work, and uh, they're just good. You can't miss praying these prayers. You cannot miss the will of God praying these prayers. And when you don't know the will of God, pray these prayers. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Hallelujah. And we've taught this before, but these are important things. Ephesians chapter 1, verse uh, 16. Ephesians 1, 16. He said, uh, I cease not to give thanks for you and making mention of you in my prayers. A lot of times, uh, 
I think one thing that discourages us from praying for people, other people, is we think we don't have time. But Paul didn't say, I prayed three hours for you. He said, I made mention of you in my prayers. You know? And uh, so sometimes God might have you intercede for somebody three hours, stand in the gap for them. And, and praise God, we need to be obedient when he does. But uh, sometimes he will just have us make mention of people in our prayers. Because our prayers are help. The Bible says that prayer is a ministry of helps. Our prayers will help. Amen? And sometimes uh, people need a lot of help in prayer, but sometimes some of us, we don't need a lot of help. We just need a little help. Did you ever think, oh God, if I just had a little help? Well, God wants us to give a little help to the people He leads us to on a daily basis. And He said, I made mention of you in my prayers, and this is what He prayed, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So you can pray that, but you can also pray it for yourself. And you can say it this way when you pray for yourself. Father, I pray that you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him that the eyes of my understanding will be enlightened. It'll change your life. If you'll start praying this on a regular basis, your life will change. You'll quit walking around in the dark. You'll quit saying, I, I just don't know. I'm just not sure. I just don't know. Because this is how you find out the will, those things. And uh, going on down there through verse 23, we won't take the time to do it all because I want to go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse uh, 14 through 21. It says, For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And this is what he prayed, that he would grant you according to the riches of glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. So just to pray for someone like me and Pastor, Father, I pray they be strengthened with might by your Spirit in the inner man. Or to pray that for whoever God leads you. Hallelujah. And that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. And they would be rooted and grounded in love. Hallelujah. And that means rooted and grounded in love. That means them walking in love, but that also means that they're rooted and grounded in His love and in how much He loves them. And when you're rooted and grounded in how much He loves you, you can walk over tall mountains and leap over tall buildings when you know how much He loves you. There will be nothing impossible to you and me when we know how much He loves us. Amen. And that they would know the love of Christ, I'm in verse 19, with Patch's knowledge. And that they might be filled with all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. I like that prayer. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Philippians 1, 9. And, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. And that ye may approve the things that are excellent. You know what a wonderful prayer. Because when we mess up and get into things we shouldn't be in, we're not approving the things that are excellent. We're not discerning the things that are excellent and the things that are not excellent, are we? And so that's a great prayer uh, to pray. Hallelujah. And all throughout these scriptures, you can find things to pray, even though it may not say prayer. For instance, uh, verse 6 of verse 1, and uh that I pray, Father, that who, he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I pray God don't quit working on you. Don't you pray that for me? I know you want it bad. Colossians 1, it's like, oh, helper, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Colossians 1, 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire. And what do we pray? 
We pray that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray that for Manny's son, that he might be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then you can go on to pray that you might walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing, that, that, they, that you would be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, that you would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Hallelujah. And then let's go on. I want to give you something else. <clears throat> Ladies, <clears throat> you need to pray Psalm 112 for your husbands. That's what you pray for your husband. Y'all know this, that you pray Proverbs 31 for your wife. You want your wife to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Hallelujah. And you pray that for your wife. You start praying the word over people and they'll start changing. Amen. Psalm 112 for men. I prayed this over pastor. Blessed is the man... I say, blessed is Michael. He fears the Lord. He delights greatly in your commandments. His seed is mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright is blessed. Wealth and riches are in Michael's house. Hallelujah. I pray that. And uh, uh, let's see, what else? And his righteousness endures forever. There arises light in the darkness for Michael. He is gracious. He is full of compassion. Hallelujah. That'll change a mean old husband. Not pastor. I'm not talking about him. But if you had a mean old husband, that'd change him. He's gracious. He's full of compassion. Hallelujah. He's a good man. He shows favor and lends. He guides his affairs with discretion. He will not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. I prayed this for years. And Mary Fran Varallo came to Word of Life Birmingham. She stood pastor up and she said, you're a rock. And then we went to Montgomery. She didn't know us from Adam at that time. I don't even think she'd know us now. But And she's been to this church. But... Uh, and she didn't know us from Adam then. We went to Montgomery to hear, and uh, she stood Michael up, and she said, You're a rock. I'm like, Hallelujah, this is working. He is, Hallelujah, he is, he shall not be moved. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He's not afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed. I always say there, his heart is fixed. You know, that's got two meanings there. I always say it's repair. His heart is repaired, mended, whole. Hallelujah. Or you can pray it, his heart is fixed. In other words, he is he's steady. Hallelujah. Trusting in the Lord, his heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn, let me tell you what his horn is. Authority, anointing, strength, and dignity. I always say that. His, his authority, his anointing, his strength, his dignity shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and they are grieved. They gnash their teeth and melt away and the desire of the wicked shall perish. And Lord, we've had people that were Christians working against us. And at that time when we had Christians working against us actively, I mean, mean, mean Christians working against us, I said, the desire of the wicked shall perish. And I said this too. I said, and every wicked desire of the righteous will perish too, Lord. Because sometimes the righteous have wicked desires even though they're not wicked. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. So you can pray that too. And then there's some scriptures for your children. We usually pass those out. I don't have those tonight, but hallelujah. I think most of you have them. Hallelujah. But you know, uh, uh, the way to keep your children is not to keep them so busy that they can't sin. Because you know what? If you keep your children that busy, you're going to make nervous wrecks out of them. 
They're going to be so full of anxiety and stress and fear. And that brings in sickness and disease and allergies and, uh, and ADD and, you know, and then you'll have to dope them up to get them to settle down and, re and give them some more dope to get them to rev up. And hallelujah, you're going to, and, and that just, you, kids don't need that. But the way you keep kids, the only way to keep kids from going the wrong way, there's only one way, and that's in Psalm 119.9. And the Lord gave me this specifically for my boys. Hallelujah. Is wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. You've got to keep them under the word. Keep them in church. You know, as long as they're under your authority, keep them in church. And then you also keep them under the word by praying the word over them. And the Bible says the word will keep you. It'll keep you as you pray it, but it'll keep them. And they'll start to sin, and the Word will jerk them up short. They'll start, you know, hallelujah. The Word is what keeps your children. It's not keeping them busy. It's not, uh, you know, being a helicopter mom. You know what a helicopter mom is, don't you? Hovering over them all the time. Won't let them out of your sight. I had a friend one time, she wouldn't even let her kid. You know, in Texas, we have alleys. And you can't be normal unless you're, you go play in the alley when you're a kid. You, you know, you cannot be normal. unless You have to eat dirt. You have to play in the alley. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and the helicopter mom, you know, don't let them out of her sight. Hallelujah. Do you know when you are that kind of mom what you cause? Rebellion. The, I tell you, the most, the biggest cause of rebellion in children, besides that it's bound up in the heart of a child, but your child will rock along in, in, while they're young, be the sweetest little child you ever know, knew, and then all of a sudden get and it, those helicopter moms that don't begin to, that they hover too much, they, they cause them to rebel. Because if you hover, and I know, because I did it. I hovered too much towards the end of when I should have let go a little bit, I was still hovering. Hallelujah. Just didn't let go quite, a little, quite enough. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. And then, I, then Eric came along, and I didn't hover so much. And when he said, Mom, I want to go live in Michael Jacobson's little college by the, cottage by the university, I prayed, and I felt like I was supposed to let him, even though he was, he was pretty young. I mean, you know, he was in college, but he was like a sophomore that was I thought and, and I didn't want to and so but I thought I was supposed to so we let him and uh pastor thought he had a witness to it too and you know we went over there to move him in and I cried all day long but I didn't cry because he was leaving I cried because he had never looked lived in anything that looked that horrible it was so horrible hallelujah I was like you never lived in anything like this your whole life I cried all day long, and then I was over it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It didn't bother him a bit. He had a big time. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand up tonight. Oh, no, let's don't. I'm going to turn this over to Pastor, and he's going to receive our Wednesday night tithes and offerings. So sit down just a little longer. <laughs>